cult podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence and is not recommended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Seriously. If you like our podcast, follow us on Instagram at Cult Podcast or follow us on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show for show updates. And please rate and review our show on iTunes. If you've been in a cult and you want to tell us about it, email us at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And most importantly, enjoy the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require monetary or physical sacrifices as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organization in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Marie Bella. And today is episode one of Om Shinrikyo. I'm very excited to hear about this. You said that very Oprah-y. Yeah. We're all getting new cars. You Unfortunately, get a they are all you get a filled with sarin gas. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm so excited about this. This is one of my favorite cults. Mondo, it is one of your favorites as well. Yes. This is uh, listeners to our origin stories of me episode will realize that uh, this is what got me interested in cults in the first place. Yeah. Um, we actually had some help on uh, this episode. And then you'll get to actually hear from some of the people who helped us in episode three. Um, Ashley Torado was our researcher for part of this first episode. Super cool. She found some amazingly cool stuff. <laughs> um, I'm going to see if we can use her a little more often because she found stuff that like I like I wouldn't have even thought to look there. And she found it. It was so great. So we'll get to a bunch of it as nice. we go. So Om Shinrikyo, like some of the cults we've covered, but kind of unlike a few of the cults we covered, is linked entirely to their leader. He is the most important part of the cult. This is very similar to something kind of like a Jim, Jim Jones or a Heaven's Gate, where, like, without Jim Jones, there's no Jonestown. Right. You know, without Marshall Applewhite, there's probably not a Heaven's Gate. Right. You know, without an LRH, there is a Scientology, like, if that makes right. sense comparatively. Um, so in order to understand this cult, we have to understand the leader. So their leader, Shoko Asahara, was born as Chizuo Matsumoto, March 2nd, 1955. So he's approximately the same age as our parents. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When was he born? 1955. So he's uh, approximately five years older than my grandmother. Okay. He Wait. Wait, hold on. That wait, confuses wait, wait, wait. me. 1955? 1955. Five He's... years younger than my grandmother. Okay. He's six years older than my mom. Okay. He's four years older than my mom. Okay. He's, <laughs> I'm sure everyone wants to hear how many people we know He's rough... and when they were born in relation like to him. He's 13 years older than my aunt. Uh... <laughs> He's like eight years older than my dad or nine years older than my He's dad. He's about the same age as my mailman. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what counts. That is really what counts. Um, so he was born into a very large but extremely poor family 
His family's made um, mats for a living, like woven reed mats. Okay. Like if you ever <laughs> see like what I would call like a stereotypical Japanese house on TV. Like I'm pretty sure most Japanese people don't live that way. Right. But where it's like no beds, just mats. Those right. kind of mats. Okay. Um, their house literally had just a dirt floor. They oh. were incredibly poor. Ironically, no mats. Yeah, ironically. <laughs> I was like, guys, just make some for home. Um <laughs> He was born with infantile glaucoma. So you know he had that weed card. Spoiling that weed! <laughs> <laughs> I got that glaucoma! <laughs> He's one of the only people that would have, like, a real excuse. Um, but, what so... You mean, what, what you mean? My back hurt don't count as an no, excuse? No. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter now because it's legal here. <laughs> But whatever. Uh, So he was born with infantile glaucoma. It caused him to go completely blind in his left eye. And mostly blind in his right eye. Oh, wow. So this dude is mostly blind. Yeah, but his third eye, 20-20 vision. Yeah. Full (laughs) lenses. (laughs) Is he still alive? He is still alive. Was that a spoiler? No. People Um, know that. I just don't know that. I mean, not necessarily. I'm keeping some things from you because I want you to lose your mind. I don't know very much about this at all. This is great. He is alive and he is currently awaiting execution in prison. Oh, okay. So so he's not going to sue us? No, 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 no. I'm kidding. Um, The cult does still kind of exist. It broke off into two different factions. One smaller faction that's kind of similar to the original, but not really. And then one that is like a very much like kind of like a happy-go-lucky version where it's just like, yeah, all that bad stuff. We don't do that anymore. Just, you know, love and try to cultivate your magic abilities. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost as if they all have glycoma. Wink, 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 wink. wink. Right. Um, So he was enrolled in a school for the blind where he was known to be a bully. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Well, Damn you know it. what they say. The man with one eye is a king amongst the blind. <laughs> I have that written in my notes. And then earlier today, as I was listening to the last podcast on the on the left episode about this cult, which if you haven't, please go listen to that. They do such an amazing comprehensive episode and we're going to give it our shot, but they do an amazing job. So please listen to them as well. Do they also make that joke? They did. Indeed. Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, it is, it is so applicable. <laughs> like it's hard not to. Yeah. Um, so at the school for the blind is where Chizuo's penchant for manipulation really comes into play. So, because he was the only guy who could see, he basically reigned like a horrible dictator at the school. He would send smaller kids to, like, go get him lunch or go get him cakes and then would just, like, never pay them back. But his biggest thing was telling somebody, like, hey, I'll help you get to where you need to go on your errand. Like, if you need to go to the grocery store or whatever, they'd get there. And then he'd be like... Oh, but how are you getting home? <gasps> what a fucking <laughs> yeah. dick. And then would not take people home until he paid them. Until they paid him. Yeah. Two questions. Sure. Number one, where would he send them for cakes? Um, I don't know. Okay. I, I mean, I don't think it's cakes in the way that we think of cakes. I think it's okay. cakes in the way that the Japanese think of cakes. Right. Okay. More of like a smaller cookie-ish right. kind of thing. I forgot my second, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, um, so... 
he ran for class president every year, uh, but he never won. <laughs> good, good. Uh, Dick. He, he might have had something to do with his uh, slogan. I'll get you there, but I won't bring you back. <laughs> He's just total asshole. Um, so he constantly accused his teachers of lying about him. That like that's the reason why he didn't win. He's like, you've been telling them falsehoods about me. Like you've been lying. It's rigged. It's, it's rigged. rigged. Yeah. Fake news. <laughs> um, so he already paranoia was like already a thing. Chiswell graduated in 1977. So he graduated at 22, which I couldn't quite figure out. But I also don't know how school from works high school. There. I think it must have been like high school and junior college. I mean, I was yeah. 22 when I graduated. What? from high, Not from high school. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, was, I, was like, I knew you at 22 college. and we were not in high school. <laughs> college. Yeah, um, but it might be because like different countries like in. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really know how school works there. So it's it's probably just something like that. But by the time he had graduated, he had successfully conned his classmates and other people out of $30,000. What? Yeah, wow. so he just like had it saved up. Yeah. That's a lot. Did he get his teachers too? I don't know. <laughs> it didn't say, but they were spreading falsehoods about him, so maybe. Just falsehoods. <laughs> I, I had a teacher in high school call me a trollop. I remember. Yeah. Bitch. Oh, <laughs> I confused trollop for dollop? Like a dollop of sour cream? No, trollop like a whore. <laughs> Prostitution whore. Prostitution whore. Jesus. That's from Real Housewives of New Jersey. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so he initially had his sights set on a career in politics. Fantastic. Uh, it would have suited him, probably. Um, he was extremely good at math. Like... I'm not going to say it. Uh, no, we're going to refrain. But his lack of sight kind of held him back a little bit, obviously. Um, he, In a school for the blind? God damn it. That's not an excuse. <laughs> no, this is after school. Oh. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so he eventually trained as an acupuncturist and a practitioner of Chinese Fuck medicine. that! You are not sticking needles in me, blind man. <laughs> there were like 40% odds that that was going to be a racist statement. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Great. Um, so apparently at the time, and I, I don't know if that's the case now, but they were surprised, like acupuncturist and masseuse and jobs like that were surprisingly common careers for the blind. Massage therapy, I can understand. Right, because there's no nothing needles. involving needles. <laughs> right. Like, I'm just going to give this a shot. Oh, wrong one. Like, no. <laughs> Let's see. Did I get the right nerve? No. How no. about now? Yeah, right. <laughs> How about now? Warmer, warmer. Oh, no. Oh, 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 he's dead. No, you're blind too. Oh. Twinsies. No. So he moved to Tokyo, and he married a woman named Tomoko, who was super rich, like hella rich, and apparently not how very. Did, how did Why? they meet? Um, Tinder. I'm gonna say <laughs> that like he paid someone to guide him there, and was just like, "Leave me here, bro. You don't have to guide me home." Ah, that's uh, funny. yeah. <laughs> there it is. So she was incredibly rich, um, and they reportedly had six children together. Because you don't need eyes to fuck, apparently. So they had six children together, although supposedly he has 12 to 15 children total. 
No word on that. Wait, like at the end or at this point? At the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, in 2015, two of his daughters apologized to the victims of the attacks that the cult That's nice of them. Out. Yeah. I don't know which daughters they were, though. And it's unclear if all these children were by Tomoko. I don't think they were. I think it's just the six with her and then... And he was a philanderer? No, I mean, you'll... As we get further okay. into it. Yeah. There's always weird sex shit. That's true. Um... So using Tomoka's money, he opened his own acupuncture clinic. Nice. <laughs> and he began selling strange but super expensive snake oil cures. Huh. So like, not like real, but you know. Like Literally make... a snake oil salesman. I mean, yes. In, in the not, he wasn't literally selling snake oils, oh, but okay. tinctures and potions that it didn't mean, work. Right, exactly. So his most famous one uh, was called Almighty Medicine, and it was orange peel diluted with alcohol. And so just an old-fashioned thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, he charged $7,000 for a three-month treatment. Oh, my God. I mean, and have you been to a bar in West Hollywood? That's about <laughs> this the price. This is about right. <laughs> old-fashioned. Um, in 1981... Asahara was convicted of practicing pharmacy and medication, I guess, manufacturing uh, without a license and for selling unregulated drugs. And he was fined 200,000 yen, which is 100. No, I'm sorry. $1,838.36. What? I don't get it. I just put some orange peel in and some alcohol. It's not a medicine. Well, when you consider how much he was selling it for. Yeah, that's not that bad. This is a drop of the bucket. It was nothing. Um, It was around this time that his interest in religion started to grow. He dedicated his free time to studying many different styles of Buddhism and Taoism, as well as esoteric Buddhism. Those esoteric Buddhist cults would eventually become kind of the basis for the religion he created. Kind of their concept of... Not just karma, but that you could take or remove karma from people and in doing so influence the karmic balance of the earth. It's okay. complicated. We'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> so in 1984, he founded the Ohm Association of Mountain Wizards. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! Um, in my notes, it just says, yeah, fucking mountain wizards. <laughs> So this is essentially just him being like, I'm going to do my own thing. So he took out ads in Japan's Twilight Zone magazine. Oh, my God. They extolled the virtues of the skills that you could gain from joining the Mountain Wizards. He was basically borrowing from his old snake oil tricks of like, oh, this will cure everything for you. Right. But on the scale of a religion. So... Uh, they claimed that joining the Mountain Wizards could net you the following. You'd be able to perceive past lives, read minds, pass through walls. Just use the door. (laughs) Uh, you could meditate for hours underwater. What? Yeah. But their most famous one was levitation. I don't really want to do any of those things. Well, apparently a lot of nerds did. Um, (laughs) So uh, the ads ran with a photo of Chizuo seemingly levitating in lotus pose. Um, 
But allegedly he had just jumped when they took the photo. Yeah. So there's some reports that he like jumped and quickly folded his legs. But they seem too kind of locked in position for that to be the case. There are other rumors that he had strengthened his thighs so much that he was able to basically propel himself off the ground with his thighs to jump and take the photo. Um, All I know is in that photo, he looks like he's getting mad G's, dog. <laughs> like, he's getting, like, whiplash from the jump, and it's pretty amazing. In the pic, I want to see the picture. All right, yeah. I'm on it. Do it, Armando. Do it. Just for just for funsies, how do you think you spell Om Shinrikyo? A-U-M space. Uh, fucking cheater. <laughs> I'm not even lo- I'm looking at a text about a rat. <laughs> because of this photo and because of the ads he ran, he began to gain a following consisting mostly of what the Japanese refer to as otaku, which would be younger men that keep to themselves and kind of live in a fantasy world within their homes. So, huh. It's it's kind of an interesting fixture of Japanese culture where because they live in such, like, especially in Tokyo proper, it's called a megalopolis. Like, it's almost twice as many people as New York in half the square footage. Ugh. Yeah, it's people living right on top of each other. So because there's no way to avoid... <laughs> you like, got the picture? Yeah. He looks like he, he has explosive diarrhea that and has shot him into the air. And upwards. Yes. Yeah, my leading theory is uh, just farts. Just a lot of farts. I'm not, not going with the, theory. I'm not going with the muscle thing. Like, it's not that. Because he's pretty yeah. high up. He's pretty high up. Yeah. Here's <laughs> another picture. I mean... Yeah. Uh, That's the one I've seen. <laughs> the otaku are younger men who, when faced with the the idea of going out to socialize, are like, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> in America, we would call them like a basement dwelling nerd. Right. You know. Or a basement dwelling <clears throat> nerd! <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, they added a hot girl to the group. They always do. To try to entice yeah. more people. Uh, her name was Hasako Ishii. She was the one hot girl they were able to find. And she did their taxes. How do you think that talk oh went down? They need to stop with the stereotypes. They just literally hired her to do their taxes. <laughs> How do you think this talk went down with him and his wife? Where he was just like, yeah, babe, we're thinking about getting a really hot girl. And she's like, well, I'll do it. You know what? There's like hardly any information about her really yes it's almost like she's lost to history uh, it's almost I like tried maybe to find more information but there was just like nothing it's almost like maybe he made her up well where'd he get the kids then you maybe don't... she had really good pr people <laughs> that could be or she died part of the way through this and so yeah, yeah i don't know um so it was largely younger guys into manga and anime um but a lot of teenagers were in this cult. So imagine a cult of like 4chan. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, the So it started almost more as a weird borderline cosplay club. I mean, like, I don't know how serious you can take something that's like, we're mountain wizards and you can get psychic powers and walk through walls. Like, clearly at least some of them were just like, yeah, I'm just in it for the mountain wizard thing. Like, there were some people right. that didn't take it seriously. Um, however, in 1985, 
Chiswell claimed that he received a message from God while lounging on the beach. That's when they always receive them, is whilst lounging. Fucking always. Um, and that message told him that he had been chosen to lead God's army. Of course he had. Right. Later that same year, a man he met in the mountains with no name, no, no other details, um, just allegedly a man that he definitely <laughs> did not make up. Yeah, of That course he not. met in the mountains. Um, <laughs> For real. Uh, He told him that Armageddon will come at the end of this century and only a merciful godly race will survive. The leader of this race will emerge in Japan. Okay, but I feel like you walk through downtown LA and that happens. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just a Thursday. That's just that I was going to say. I've heard that too. Yeah. And then I kept walking. Oh, totally. Uh, When he returned from the mountains, uh, he changed his name to... Shoko Asahara, which definitely has a better ring to it. I've had that role. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) Also, who hasn't gone to the mountains and come back with a different name? (laughs) I mean, me. Really? Yeah. Well, after the famous acid trip, I came back and I went, you all call me Mondizi Toralzo. No. Nope. And none of us do that. I wonder if anyone ever comes back and they're like, call me Jeffrey. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> call me Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Just as kind of a weird off throw thing. You guys are aware of the rapper Young Thug? Of yes. Of course. Young uh, Thug had an unsuccessful attempt at a name change where he tried to change his name to Jeffrey. You're lying. I'm not lying. Doesn't he only he eat did potato that, chips? He did that. Yes, he does. <laughs> he did that by releasing the album, My Name is Jeffrey. Stop. <laughs> this is not even a You're joke. lying. Because no. you know I'm fucking gullible. No, no, no. I'm being very serious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up right now. Oh, you're right. But yeah, and the cover is him in a dress. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, he likes to wear women's clothes a lot. Good for him. And eat chips. Yep. He only eats chips. That's all he eats. That can't be true. Because Billy Bob Thornton only ate potatoes when he first moved here and he ended up in the hospital. And those are more nutritious than chips. I think you're thinking of Sling Blade. (laughs) You know what? You know my favorite. (laughs) I sure do love the French fried potatoes. Yes. My favorite part about the album is that a lot of the songs are named after famous people. Named Jeffrey? No. Oh. Just like he had the the first song on the album is called Wyclef Jean. What? Yeah. And it's just him by himself. But then the second to last song is called Kanye West featuring Wyclef Jean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He changed his name to Shogo Asahara and he declared himself as the leader who will emerge in Japan. Uh, He would lead the godly race through the end of Armageddon, which they referred to as Harumageddon. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a joke. That's actually Harumageddon. Um, He grew out his hair and grew a real creepy beard. And like, I'm a very pro beard person, but no. Creepy how? Like creepy, like... Like unfinished. You You know how a lot of baseball players have really bad facial hair? Oh, it's kind of patchy. I didn't know this, but okay. Yeah, continue. notice it. What, next time, if you ever watch baseball, notice a lot of them have a very, very patchy facial hair issue. I wonder not if that's well the roids. Cut. I'm not sure what it is. Not a fan of this conversation. You you don't have a fucked up beard. Uh, bro. Or are you, bro, getting, are you defending bro, baseball players? I don't bro, know, maybe. No. Bro, 
You fucking know that I love beards. You've met my boyfriend on multiple occasions. Yeah. That dude is like Lord Beard of Beard Town. Yeah. But this dude's beard. Yeah, it's better than my beard. No, it's not. No, your beard is way better than Shoka Asahara. All right. Because yours has style and is groomed. Well, so here's the thing. If your beard comes in patchy... Don't grow it longer. Well, That's yeah. only going to make it stand out. Like, keep it closer to the face. And get a Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No? <laughs> Squares of Sharpie colored on a dude's face. Um, yeah, so it's, it's not... It's kind of patchy, and it's just... Got a real weird wave to it, and it looks like it has flecks of food. Ew, that's the worst. One time, uh, as a joke, my sister and I, at 14 and 16, went and sat on Santa's lap at Macy's and took pictures. <laughs> and then we looked into his beard, and it was just, like, full of food. Oh, and we that's were just the grossest. Like, no. That's the... Ooh, that makes me nauseous. And then when we got the pictures, my sister, like circled where the food had been gross on the photos ew it was great it was really great <laughs> um so he also at this point in 1987 uh, officially changed the name from the ohm association of mountain wizards which to be honest that's my favorite like that's a cool ass name it's yeah i didn't think he needed to change it but he changed it to ohm shinrikyo which loosely translates to ohm supreme truth no, Mountain Wizards. I know. Yeah. <laughs> mountain Wizards way better. Yeah, everybody's done the Supreme Truth thing. Not yeah. everybody's done the Mountain Wizards. I feel thing. like one of those nerds sounded exactly like Marie and said that. <laughs> no! No! Mountain Wizards! I'm nerds. here to be a wizard! Yeah. You're probably right. Look, I don't want to be a dick, but if you guys, if you're not, if, if, if it's not about wizards anymore. <laughs> then I am out. I am gone. <laughs> like, I was in it when it was wizards, but now. Um. So at this point, they actually started seeking religious certification from the government. Mm -hmm. And so it's at this point that we need to talk about how religion works in Japan. Oh, yes, we do. Because it's actually a huge factor in this cult. So religion in Japan. To do this, we got to go through a little bit of Japanese history. So Japan was an imperial government from the mid-1860s to 1947. It was a constitutional monarchy for most of that time. Uh, They also had a peace and trade accord with Great Britain from 1854 until the beginning of World War II. Okay. So if you've ever seen the movie Empire of the Sun with Christian Bale, Mm -hmm. that's right around that World War II time. Right. Which shit got real. And if you've ever seen the movie Empire Strikes Back, they were also... (laughs) An empirical... Don't talk about Nian Num that way. That was for the one nerd that listens to this. One nerd. Uh, their peaceful relationship with Great Britain, Great Britain remains pretty much to this day. They don't have the same kind of tumultuous relationship that Hong Kong has, from what I could tell. The role of Japanese emperors has historically alternated between a more ceremonial and symbolic figure, kind of like the Pope, right, uh, to an actual imperial ruler... And the religion has complicated, kind of a complicated relationship within this framework. Before World War II, most Japanese people practiced Buddhism or Shintoism. But as imperial rule grew leading up to the war, these religions were replaced with what they called state Shinto. So it was kind of a variation of Shintoism. 
Um, and they were kind of exploiting the tenets of Shintoism during the war to basically engender complete loyalty to the emperor. Um, it created kind of a weird imperial cult that believed the emperor was the Arahitogami, or God incarnate, on Earth. And this gave way to things like kamikaze bombers and other types of fanaticism. It is. It seems to be... I don't know if you want this on the pod, the pod or not. But uh, it seems to be sort of similar to the way that uh, <laughs> English royalty was for a very long time. Um, I mean, in the sense of like, in in like, like Henry VIII, you mean? No, I mean even even like sort of prior to that, even prior to that being like. Um, <clears throat> divine right being that you know yes the royalty yeah. is picked by god and so right. they are the direct prophet of god so anything right, that the right. king says is the will of god well and a lot of that came about with henry the eighth yeah because before that it was largely catholic yeah and then sort of protestant and then henry the eighth was like i'm protestant but i still like divorces and shit and so he kind of created the Church of England. Yeah, and he also uh, created the ideal divorce in that you chop her fucking head off. It's not really a divorce. It's more of like a murder. I said the ideal divorce. <laughs> I'm feeling like a lot of our female listeners are going to like suddenly stop calling you Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> so did my wife. <laughs> do you want that or do you want me to cut that out? It's up to you. <laughs> It's jokey enough to where they won't be able to tell. <laughs> um, so, following the war, uh, the Potsdam Declaration was issued, including a requirement that uh, the authority and influence of those who have deceived and misled the, Jap- the people of Japan into embarking on world conquest should be eradicated. So, essentially, no more god kings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Following the war, the Allies issued the Shinto Directive, which separated church and state in Japan, mm-hmm. much like we have here in America. Uh, the U.S. had a huge presence in post-war Japan. I mean, obviously, because we fucking bombed the shit out of them. It's not great. It's not great. We kind of created this problem. Right. Yeah. In order to avoid another state-run cult, the U.S. influenced the creation of Japan's Religious Corporations Act. So it sought to protect religious beliefs from government interference, which meant that nearly 200,000 religious groups have been recognized in Japan since. Wow. Do we know what the number in America is? Um, it's probably higher, but not much higher. Mm. They're significantly smaller than us, too. Yeah. So for that amount in that short like per capita is insane well when you think about it they were left with a bit of a vacuum yeah and in a vacuum things form so I get like that like a lot of companies that make vacuums yeah <laughs> like a vacuum you fill it up with things <laughs> and then you dump the bag out and then okay yeah so, Though many of these religions abide by laws and they don't really have any societal issues, um, there's hardly any government oversight over the activities of these groups, even though some operate tax-exempt for-profit businesses, and a few even control their own political parties. Wow. Yeah. So if you want to see a, like... I, I think one of the biggest things to compare it to is like televangelism in America 
where they're technically nonprofit, but they're definitely operating a for-profit business and buying right. jets and shit and nobody's checking on it. Do, okay. Do you remember the Trinity Broadcasting Station oh, off yeah. of Bristol or whatever it yeah, was? Yeah, right by of, the Ikea. Or Bear, maybe it is? It's off Bear. Bristol's yeah. the one right before yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. They're... Christmas lights every year. Yeah. Unbelievable. That is not cheap. No. Not cheap at all. That is the most ornate building I've ever seen. Yeah. So. Well, and this frustrates me because, like, we've talked about it on the show. Like, I was raised religious. I don't bear ill will towards most religions. No. But I do fucking think that they should be subject to some regulation. Well, yes. (laughs) Because if not, then you've got Jonestown... You've got, you know, Heaven's Gate. All of these things where people didn't interfere because it was quote-unquote a church. Right. And then people died. I think an interesting parallel for this is if you ever watch Going Clear. Right. The documentary that HBO did. They kind of document Scientology's search for tax exemption. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of parallels. Right. I mean, I don't think Scientology is the same. No. (laughs) Um, But this is... It was very striking to me how close they sure. seemed to follow. Um, in August 1989, the Tokyo Metropolitan Government granted the OM official religious corporation religious status, including tax exemption. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, going to get messy. So he was literally getting that God money. Yay. Yeah. He has more street cred than anyone I know. Yeah. Uh, the law provided uh, Om Shinrikyo with various privileges including massive tax breaks and de facto immunity from official oversight and prosecution oh boy Hmm. really yeah that's gonna happen I mean it's gonna come into play a lot later I did not know that though that is Mm -hmm. crazy yep that's good the dumbest law yeah yeah terrible under the Japanese religious corporation law after a group is recognized, authorities are not permitted to investigate its <gasps> religious activities no! or doctrine. Um, this is broadly interpreted to cover almost anything the religious group does, including what would normally be viewed as for-profit corporate activities. This is also like when we covered Little Pebble. Right. That's why no one is fucking busted up in Little Pebble and freed Kara. Right. Yeah. So, although the police can investigate a religious group for criminal acts, Japanese cult experts and government officials say that this practice is super difficult uh, or impossible to do because the law and the government are extremely reluctant to investigate religions. So, they kind of let stuff go. So, Om Shinrikyo made their recognition as a religious group a high priority. Of course. Uh, They embarked upon an aggressive lobbying campaign, which included picketing the offices of the agency that was supposed to decide oh yeah uh one expert who'd been following their activities called their efforts scandalous and totally out of character with other religious groups and then they snapped in a z formation going scandalous scandalous public sources have alleged that to ensure their registration they also aggressively lobbied local politicians and put pressure on the tokyo government officials to approve their application Um, Given what we'll find out later, that's not surprising. Yeah. So this kind of interesting piece of Japanese law is a super significant factor in the development of this cult. So once it was legally recognized as a religion, their activities and their character dramatically changed. So their net worth grew from less than 
430 million yen, which is approximately $4 million. Okay. Um, back in 1989. A lot of money still. So, remember when we did 80s math, triple it. Right. So, $12 million. Right. Wow. Essentially. So, the size of a small startup, mm-hmm. essentially. So, they went from that to more than $100 billion or $1 billion. Oh, my God. In modern day math, $3 billion, <laughs> six years later. Um, so, in six years, they, I mean, quadrupled their size and money and everything. That's, That's just good nuts. business. Uh, for real. Like, definitely. Yeah. Likewise, its membership rose dramatically. They went from having about 10,000 members in 1984, which is still super impressive. Yeah. When you consider that he only started in like 1978. Yeah, that's a lot of people. To get 10,000 people by 1984 just with magazine ads and like weird orange water. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, In 1992, they were at about 50,000 Jeez. They were worldwide by 1995. They had over 30 branches in six countries. Jeez. Yeah. This kind of speaks to something a little more interesting than just this cult, and that's Japan's fascination with American things. Oh, yeah. Because when you look at this, like Buddhism and Shintoism, neither of them are a monotheistic religion. Right. This kind of a religion is typically... I mean, it it is similar to what we would see in the East in, like, a guru capacity. But his insistence on, like, Armageddon theology and kind of making himself into a god figure is very Western. Right. And it speaks to kind of what was going on at the time. So Christianity is occasionally listed as the third most popular religion in Japan, which I found really weird. Yeah. Um, but the more I kind of looked into it and Ashley sent me some great articles for this, which was really fascinating. Um, it's kind of a misnomer that's, it's not, it's accurate, but it's not. Okay. So there are many Japanese Christian churches, but most have an attendance of about 30 people week to week, but they have membership of hundreds. Hmm. They just never show up. And just like in America. Yeah. Oh no. They show up. (laughs) No. They show up here. Yeah. I mean, but to your, I mean, yes. Yes, yeah, I mean, there's like those. Fair weather church people. Right. For sure. Um, those heathens that only go on the major Christmas holidays. And, and occasionally when they feel like it, even though they know they should go more and they feel really bad about it. And then they think about it. Yeah, those assholes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you don't understand. One like equals one prayer. I'm liking, <laughs> I'm liking hundreds of pictures a day. <laughs> um. So... Here's why. Because a lot of the that membership is what we would call like fair weather Christians, where yeah. they're only showing up on Christmas because Japanese people fucking love Christmas. Okay, but I mean, to be fair, Christmas is awesome. The, no, I agree. Christmas is awesome. They enjoy a lot of facets of Christianity, but not the way we do, if that makes okay. sense. Like... Like, they aren't doing it for the church aspect. It's the American aspect. Right, I get it. Like, they enjoy a version of Christianity that only exists in TV and movies. Okay. Okay. Which is very interesting. So they're, they're like, really big into American culture. Like yes. Like, our, our fashion, 
uh, are cult, like customs. Yeah. Uh, giving me money. Uh, no. That's a very big They're American. They're one of the number one consumers of denim. Like, really? Jeans. Oh, yes. yeah. And do you know how they try them on? No. Okay, so I used to work for a jeans company, like designer denim, and they would come in and instead of going into the fitting room and trying them on, they would put them around the, their neck, the waist. Okay. And they would know whether or not that would fit them. They would, and they'd try on like six pairs, like boom, boom, boom. Okay, I'll take these. That would not work for me. It was... <laughs> Weird, and they told me I was like, "Is that does that really work?" I mean, obviously. Have you ever tried it? Um, I tried it, and I tried the first part. Like, I put it around my neck, but then I was too lazy to go try them on. Oh. <laughs> but my jeans that are my size, it does work. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I need to try that now. now I don't I'm know. Curious. Like, it's weird, but it's eh. weird. I'd never. I've it doesn't make them. sense. I mean, my waist is definitely bigger than my neck, right. so I'm not sure, but. I don't know. For those of you at home, she got a thick neck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they they love Christmas. Uh, and they celebrate Christmas by eating what they believe to be traditional American Christmas foods. What is it? Yes. Uh, wait, okay, wait. What they think is traditional American Christmas foods? Well, rather what they have been told are traditional American Christmas foods. <sighs> I'm going to say duck. I know. I was thinking that, too. That was close, but no. Chicken? Yes. What kind of chicken? Fried? (laughs) Kentucky fried chicken. Stop! Get the fuck out of here. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. They are the number three consumer of Kentucky fried chicken in the entire world. See, what y'all need to understand is that a Christmas dinner is incomplete without a bucket of KFC. So here's the crazy thing. They eat it as an appetizer. What? Yeah, I did tons of research. Who eats like, KFC? Like, I fell down a rabbit hole for Fucking this. appetizer. Appetizer. So, and, like, 70% of the KFC sold in Japan is sold for takeout. Yeah, that doesn't... I mean, in America, too, They don't probably, have any drive throughs right? Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, fucker. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In 1972, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken wanted to expand. So they expanded kind of across Europe and into Asia. Um, I've actually been to a KFC in London. They don't have biscuits. Well, that's weird. It yeah, was, it's because it you order, you say, I'll take a bucket with some biscuits, and then they go, why would you want, okay, and yeah, then they give no, you that, a bunch of cookies? They, well, because they don't have cookies. The guy looked at me like I was insane, and then one of the other workers there must have encountered it before, and they were like, hold on, say that one more time, and they were like, yeah, we don't have American biscuits. Like, we don't do that. She's like, I've never seen them. I don't know but what like, you're like looking for. Fuck them for judging you yeah. because we started this shit. Well, yeah, but I mean, imagine Kentucky if- fried ma'am, chicken. Ma'am, this is a Kentucky fried chicken. All we got is chickers and chips and biscuits that are actually cookies and gurgle chons. Kentucky fried chicken in London. Um, I mean, think of it this way. Like, imagine that you went into a Yoshinoya and requested authentic ramen. I know what I'm getting myself into, though. <laughs> Sir, yeah. I am 17 oh, years old. Never mind. I just made their point. <laughs> and correct. raised in Los Angeles. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, I don't like it. These are just people who work in a restaurant, a restaurant that has told them that this is American cuisine and they don't know that pieces are missing from it because it's just their job and they can't be expected to know that. There is a place in Dubai 
that has uh, that is the only place that I know of that sells Philly cheesesteaks. And these Philly cheesesteaks are the worst food <laughs> in the world. Now, let me be clear. Not the worst Philly cheesesteaks in when the, the world. When the fuck did you go to Dubai? Yeah. Legally not allowed to talk about it. What the fuck? Who and... legally isn't allowed to talk to... Were you in the CIA? <laughs> I gotta go. You are not old enough to be in the CIA. No. Uh, worst ever in the history of anything ever edible ever. There is a, a a place in Newport Beach called Newport Fresh, and it only serves sushi and Philly cheesesteaks. Those things seem Jesus. incompatible. They are, because and that gross bai juice. You know what I'm talking about? It's like bai. Yeah. It's not that gross. I don't like the aftertaste. Oh, interesting. I'm just like, because sushi is raw, but Philly cheesesteaks are charred until they're tasteless. Um, So the reason they don't have drive throughs which is (laughs) how we started this crazy snowball of a conversation. Marie, any any (laughs) comments? I have no opinions. None. No thoughts, no opinions, no jokes. In 1972, (laughs) when KFC expanded... Uh, they originally started building standalone KFCs in Japan. Japan is largely a public transportation culture, which is crazy oh. for the amount of cars they build. But yeah, so people just wouldn't go. So Mitsubishi bought out some of the shares of Kentucky Fried Chicken as like a company when it rebranded to KFC and they expanded it to city centers in 1974. They actually ran ads telling the Japanese basically were like, get KFC for your Christmas dinner. Like, have an authentic American Christmas. <laughs> also, they eat um, strawberry shortcake at Christmas. This is like the most NASCAR was, Christmas. <laughs> well, I was like, strawberries aren't even seasonal. Then. Yeah, that's true. No. Yeah. What are they? Okay, so they eat KFC as an appetizer. What's the main course? Whatever they would normally, like, whatever you have decided to cook that day. Oh, okay. It's like, but it's like an appetizer party food. It'd be like, you know how we have cheese balls at Christmas all the time? Sure. Okay, white people have cheese balls at Christmas all the time? You know how we have tamales all the time? I have had tamales at Christmas. I would recognize that as a You know how white people buy tamales from Mexican people all the time? Your mom makes great tamales. (laughs) My mom is white. (laughs) Um... Another Americanized thing that Japanese people love, and part of the reason why they're part of these churches, is Americanized weddings. Really? Yes! Like, the fashion or the ceremony? All of it. it. Hmm. Now, I don't know... Well, Marie, you shopped for a wedding dress probably most recently. Yeah. Did you do any online shopping before you bought your dress? No. No. You kind of knew what you wanted when. Yeah. If you've ever had to shop online for wedding dresses, you know that like 90% of what you find online, if you don't pick it up like in a boutique, is made in Asia. Oh, right. <laughs> like hardcore. Are you talking about wedding dresses or yes. literally anything ever? Yeah. Both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but specifically wedding dresses. But if you can imagine a huge scale operation for making stuff for a thing that's not even your culture. Like there's a fascinating documentary about a city in China that only manufactures Christmas decorations. Oh. Yeah. Like I did not realize how huge it was. I had heard rumors and jokes that they celebrate 
um, Colonel Sanders as Santa, and I thought that was bullshit. Oh, but it might be true. Turns out, because they sold so much KFC in Japan, he would visit the Japanese stores all the fucking time. Get the fuck out of here. Totally what? fucking serious. Wow. Yeah. I'm so jealous. Right? My dad knows a guy that used to work with the colonel. Does how does the colonel feel about Aaron's costume? The colonel's been dead for a long time. Well, I know, but um, he never got to see it. My dad worked with a guy that used to be on the board at KFC, and the one story he had about the colonel is that like they were at a budgeting meeting and they were like, "Well, you know, if we just adjusted the mix on the gravy, added just like 0.2 percent more water, it would cut our profit margins by like X amount." And the colonel was like 90 at this point, like he was super yeah. old. And he just like stood up at the end of the table with his cane and was just like, don't fuck with the gravy. And then just sat back down and that gravy did not change. I feel like that's how, yeah. That's how I want to die. Yeah. (laughs) Don't fuck Fuck with with the the gravy. gravy. (laughs) And then just keel over. Um, So anyway, I know this was kind of a weird detour into Japanese culture, but it will play in much more as we get into the rest of the story. It's always important to note the context for these things, like uh, Charles Manson being there at the perfect time yeah. for his movement. That's that's a main part of what cult leaders do, is they're just a uh, an enigmatic person at the right place at the right time. And so learning about the context for this person is very 100%. important. 100%. Plus, well, I think it's always valuable to know when and how KFC is going to fit into the <laughs> <laughs> And will they have biscuits? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, that was specifically what I asked actually to research. Because I was like... The biscuits? No. <laughs> um, what about Japan at this time made this cult possible? The biscuits. The biscuits. I'm sorry. There, it was the double down. They were testing it at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Japan never oh, recovered. <laughs> um, but I wanted to know, kind of, just like we would with, you know, the Manson family or any other thing, you know, what about what was going on at the time made it possible right. for a cult like this that seems so crazy and so rooted in weird nerd magic to just <laughs> grow into a huge behemoth? And so that that is why. You've got a lot of kind of weird... Interesting information. Another thing that she noted were, was um, while they admire American things very much, we are fundamentally different societally. Oh, 100%. Where Americans tend to be more individualistic because like some days you'll wake up and be like, yeah, I'm 30 and I work in retail, but let's start a podcast about cults. Uh, <laughs> and if you're Japanese, sometimes you'll wake up and be like, yeah, I'm 30 and I work in retail and I will work in retail until I die for the good <laughs> of the company. Yeah. They're collectivist as opposed to individualist. Right. They, which, in a way, we could use a little of that. Yeah. They do things for the good of the group. Right. As a society. Which means that they get a lot more done. They're very efficient. But if a group goes wrong, the whole group goes wrong. Right. So, as we'll see how that plays out in episode two. You know what's fascinating about that? Mm. Okay, so I was flying out of LAX mm-hmm. a couple days ago and my airline right before we were going to check in they shut down and the computer system got messed up so nobody could check in for their flights there was a japanese tour group of little girls probably like 50 of them oh wow like how old um ages i would say like six to ten okay 
And they were all in matching little outfits with matching little suitcases. And this lasted for like an hour and a half where no one could check in. Okay. The, the, the white kids that were also stuck were screaming. <laughs> were, I want snacks! A, B, C, D. Fucking obnoxious, right? Yeah, like children. Yeah. Yep. The little Japanese kids all lined up against the wall, sat down, put their matching suitcases in front of them, and sat patiently and quietly until it was fixed. See, they're doing it right. And I was like, that. <laughs> I want one of those. Them. <laughs> that is what I need yeah. one day. But, um, so, it just kind of goes with what you said. Yeah, uh, just basically a collectivist. We do things for the good of the group. We don't make waves. Versus yeah. America, we make all the waves. Fuck everybody, America. Right. Which, guns. Which that, that thought process of going with the group and not making waves literally is the best thing for a cult. Oh, 100%. Well, yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Well, that's why you've got 200,000 religions. Yeah. That's, that's people going with the group, man. As opposed to us, that we're just like, nacho fries, hot dogs. Like, it's, you know. Oh, that's right, nacho fries. We need to try the multiple people. Have, think, if you guys are one of the people who told us to f- try nacho fries in the group, thank you. We're probably going to do that later. Yeah, I, it's, I'm supposed to be losing weight. And uh, they keep, they just keep coming out with stuff, <laughs> I don't know, they? like those roll, those roll tacos, like the taquitos yeah. ones, those are really good. That, yeah, those are good. Uh, I haven't tried the nacho fries yet. And Jake then I, refuses to eat them. I like, just saw. Full on refuse. To like, eat the nacho fries? Yeah, he's like, I heard they're fucking disgusting and they look oh, gross. Well, fucking have your own opinion, Jake. I was like, what's <laughs> wrong with you? I was like, I have seen you eat so many worse things. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't feel like that's that bad. I mean, it's not obvious. I'm not saying it's healthy, but like in the way of shitty American inventions with food. Yeah, I mean, it's I no don't double feel down. like it's that. Ba- was that the one where the fried chicken was the bread? Yes, it is. That's, see, now that's fucking disgusting to me or or the bowl the one that was like nope like oh, yeah, mashed potatoes yeah, yeah, yeah. chicken cheese and that makes else. me want to vomit yeah it was a lot kfc's had some interesting ones so that was part one of om shinrikyo and tune in next week for part two yeah. yay and don't drink the orange water yeah let's go with the orange water and don't fuck with the gravy also Bye. i don't have a thick neck Ha, 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 ha.